Edition of How are you? Yeah. Pretty good. So, Thank you. Yeah, That's okay. good. So, Laura, well, let's just give up. Let's just give up on introducing here. the show. <laughs> yeah. Here so, anarchy. welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer. You know, it's here. Yeah, with, there we uh, go. Chris, Chris, you know, Catherine and the other guy. And uh, <laughs> we're, we're here to talk about the legal goings on this week. Of course, you're familiar with them because you've read all the articles, but you know, everybody gets behind on billables every now and again. So, we're happy to fill in in the meantime so you can still be, you know, up to date when you talk to the water cooler or whatever water cooler exists on virtual law firm time. That's that's excellent. And we are all from above the law. That is the one little extra bit to throw in there. But otherwise, perfect, seamless introduction. All right. Feel free to take well notes. Done. Yeah. No. Good. Yeah. No. I the, the part that I took note on is it came across a lot stronger because no one was trying to interrupt you the whole time. So <laughs> well, we like Chris. I mean, you're the only one that has that problem of being interrupted. So, mm. like, maybe if you let Catherine do it, it wouldn't happen either. I have offered that. But it's so much more fun to interrupt, Joe. Yeah, fine. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, so we are from Buffalon. We're giving you your weekly roundup of some of the biggest stories in the legal world of the week. Uh, but, but before that. Oh, yes, what do we do before that? that that's what I said. We do the small, no, I, I, small I talk. What? See, I saw that your hand wasn't near the button, so I said it really quick. <laughs> Everyone is in rare form today. I just <laughs> Come out swinging. <laughs> so, yeah. So, mm. we have a little bit of small talk to just get a, you know, be friendly chatter. It's like a morning show, you know? Sure, that I think of Kelly Ribbo when I think of Joe Patrice. Okay. <laughs> I see it. I see it. There was a- <laughs> Chris, how was your weekend? Uh, it, was, it was a weekend. I'm teaching at the college level at a school that will not be named, Rutgers. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm realizing that I may have structured. So I'm teaching an introduction to Africana Studies class. Mm-hmm. And like just just the way that I am, I may have accidentally structured it as a graduate course. Oh, and, wow. and I'm like, okay, cool, this is fine. You know, people are here because they want to be because they want to be here. They're ready to learn and engaged. I gave the first exam, and one of the students who will not be named, of course, one of the responses I got back was, "Yeah, so should I have one paragraph for the one reading?" But like in the assignment, I was like, "There are going to be at least three texts. You need three texts." So I'm like, "Oh my god, they didn't read the assignment." Yeah, <laughs> I'm about to get back wingdings, and I'm worried. <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried. I talked to another professor, and they were like, "Yeah, students don't read anymore." I was actually thinking about giving the syllabus on TikTok, and I'm like, "What?" You wow. know. You know, back in my day, we used like font size 12 times New Roman. And now I feel like I'm 86 because I expect actual paragraphs, you know. To be clear, the youngest amongst us thinks that he's too old. Just be clear. Yeah, yeah. But back to me. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is all about it, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, back, back, back to you. Back to you, ancients. Well, well, all right. Well, okay. Well, okay, Boomer. Moving on from Chris. Uh, Catherine, what did you do? Anything fun? Uh, no, no, nothing too crazy. Cool. Watched my and then it. Oh wait, no. <laughs> wow, wow. Okay. That was, for those without visuals. I almost just spat my water. That was good, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> 
I watched the sportings this weekend. Oh, yeah. Um, yes, there was uh, an F1 race, and I was very thrilled that Max Verstappen did not win, which always makes me happy. Neither did Lewis Hamilton, looks which like makes he, me sad. But looks like he looks like Max is gonna have another taint on this year's season after he, yeah I, we, i'm starting to feel bad for him we've previously spoken about the issues with he's current the considered the reigning uh world champion but there were some severe problems with how he won it last year i won't go back into it because this is a timed show uh but despite <laughs> that so we've kind of jokingly referred to him as ver asterisks because first asterisk yeah, okay. Yeah. Is, is you, that- you pronounce the made-up word better. Are you happy yeah. about that? Okay. But we just got uh, information that it is strongly suspected, not yet confirmed by the FIA, that Max's team, Red Bull, has cheated on the cost cap uh, for 2021 and 2022. Uh, and there's no uh, yeah. punishments that have yet been decided, but included amongst the possibilities are taking away points, taking away championships, etc. I don't think they'll necessarily do those things. But it definitely makes it very, I mean, the two other teams that are their closest competitors, uh, Mercedes and Ferrari, have been saying that this is worth at least, you know, significant amounts of time on the course and... I, look, I, I mean, I legitimately am starting to feel bad for this poor guy. Like he's, he, he's, he's actively talented, but every, every time he does well, there's another... Well, maybe fairly don't credible cheat. allegation maybe don't cheat. Of, yeah. of, of a taint on it. So maybe someday he'll have a season where he's not dragged down like that. Uh, yeah. And then as for me, I did my first test run on Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, I did a test run with a turkey, like getting my getting my dry rubs right and all of that. You know, are you I, happy with your current rub? I am pretty happy. Was I think it spicy. Was it a spicy it, rub? Yes, I, I went kind of a Cajun direction. I think I might have not given it as much as I could, but, you know, I'm, I'm still mixing. I, I don't like going into Thanksgiving dinner. I think one of the biggest mistake people make with turkey, and they always complain about how dry it is, and part of that is just not That's knowing. That's the mistake. Like, just don't do yeah. turkey. They're a superior bird. Right, no, right, right. We, we've talked about this, and you're still wrong about that. The point, though, is you, people think that it's dry and all, which it's just a Can matter be. of brining and stuff like that. But it's also true that it's ridiculous that we have this one bird that everyone makes only once a year. Like, you can't get good at good at like that. You got you to gotta do a test run like a month beforehand just to make sure that you're you're still in the groove. As so far you as, are you are a little bit ahead of schedule because yeah. we're more than a month away from things from are going to be fast, especially with all the conferences coming up this month, uh, which, you know, I've got the Clio Cloud Conference, ACC, the Relativity Fest, like it's it's a very busy month. So but you are you are ready in. for Thanksgiving already. I will say though, the weather changed super fast. It was like well, the official here. the official like start of fall became you know the calendar turned and they're like oh now it's going to be cold. Well, certainly here in in New York, but I mean sure. it, it was eighty five degrees in Oregon yesterday. So who knows? Oregon uh, doesn't anyway. count. Yeah, it's uh, not a place. Fair. People that live in Oregon know they don't count. That's like, right, that's like West. That's like saying, "Oh, in West Narnia, it was raining." Like, <laughs> I like that term. And congratulations to the West Narnia Ducks for winning this weekend. Too. And with all of that, I think beating we should pro- the trees. Can we? Yeah, beating trees. That's mm-hmm. true. Uh, can we uh, get to talking about law? Maybe. I mean, is that a thing? You're just gonna wait till I talk so you can cut me off. 
And that brings us to the end of small talk. But I, is it less satisfying when I know that's what you're doing? Because I feel like no, it's, it's less still satisfying. satisfying for you. It's interesting. It's still <laughs> satisfying. Uh, so, Catherine, you had a series of stories last week that did well. Let's condense them all into one since they all had the... Uh, uh, the cast of characters uh, were the Similar, same. In them. Yeah. I, yeah, I wrote a lot about Ginny Thomas last week. Ginny Thomas, Sorry to hear of that. course. Yeah, is of course Clarence's wife. Uh, move on. Uh, she testified before the January sixth committee. That was sort of the most newsy moment of it, and we have um, a little bit of information about her her testimony. Some some details have been leaked specifically about her opening statement. Although I will also say. Perhaps let's just lead with, I think, the most shocking bit, which is that um, Benny Thompson said that Ginny testified that she still believes that the 2020 election was stolen from Donald Trump. Commit to the bit. You know, listen, full, (laughs) she will not crack. So that was obviously a big shocker. But in her opening statement, she kind of painted a picture explaining that, of course, my husband knows nothing about any of the things that I do or people I call or interests that I have. Um, painting a, a kind of bleak <laughs> image of the, of marriage generally. Yeah, that seems kind of sad. If this is the sort of thing, I think this is the way you even phrased it in your piece. If this is the sort of thing that, Ginny is so committed to that she's basically made it her whole identity and she doesn't talk about it at home. Yeah. Like, do these people even communicate? Yeah, it, it certainly seems like perhaps they just if she if her testimony is um, completely on the up and up, it certainly seems like they don't talk about very much of anything. Maybe maybe the weather. Maybe they talk about baseball. We know that or sporting generally. We know Clarence is a fan of Nebraska football. Maybe that's what they talk about. Maybe they talk a lot about the fact that Scott Frost got fired. Right? Yeah. Like maybe that's what they're do- doing at home. But it is kind of questionable because we we do know other stuff about Ginny Thomas. We know, for example, she is in communication with a listserv of former Thomas clerks. And we know that she's written to this list saying, quote, I have likely imposed on you my lifetime passions. So we're to believe that she has imposed on a bunch of her husband's former clerks her lifetime passions, but has not imposed those same lifetime passions on her husband. Well, and we already knew about the revolving door that seems to operate mm. between her work and his work with the Clanton story that you've written about before. Yeah, yeah. Crystal Clanton was let go from or or took her leave of Turning Point USA after a scandal broke, uh, alleging that she said a variety of racist things, including, I hate black people. And she got fired from that job. Ginny Thomas hired her as an assistant. And then Crystal went on social media with a very close looking photo of her and both Thomases saying like, oh, these are the best people. So they spent a weekend together somewhere doing something. So there's obviously, you know, someone who works with Ginny Thomas spending time on a weekend with Clarence Thomas. But again, we're supposed to believe that none of the work that Ginny does ever graces Clarence's ears. It really stretches credulity. That's my take on it. I feel like this is um, WWE for constitutional nerds. Y'all know that? Y'all ever ever hear the term uh, KFAB? KFAB, whatever it is? No, No. I haven't. There's a a thing. It's, It's called KFAB. Look it up. And it's like wrestlers, they just never break. They never break character. And it just feels like some very, very 
meticulous method acting. Like, we all know it's bullshit. <laughs> we all know it's bullshit. And it, it's like, you know, like, I guess the, for the Disney nerds, like, you know those people that, like, go around looking for, like, Mickey Mouse to break character? Be like, oh, shit. You know, like, it, feel like, it feels mm-hmm. like that. I'm just waiting for one of them to say something. Like, oh, gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> you know. But yeah, no, it was, it's an interesting story because it suggests, uh, because it seems unlikely that there's not communication going on. It certainly seemed unlikely when the only dissenting vote in a case about the January 6th committee was Clarence, uh, the only one who had a family member who was about to get broiled in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it really is a, a bit of a stretch. And it's a kind of a sad commentary to lean into that you've never talked yet you have a completely separate life although i will say kind of leaning towards the maybe this they just lead very separate lives is the other kind of scandal that happened last week with clarence thomas and that's on his financial disclosure forms Mm -hmm. over the course of several years he did not Right, he wrote down that his wife made zero dollars, um, despite the fact that then there was what, an. Did did she make zero dollars? No, no, she oh, made well, a, about seven hundred thousand, a little bit less, under seven hundred thousand dollars from political. <laughs> there you go, there you go. I like that sound from various political groups over that time, and got paid a salary. Yeah. So he. He he definitely did not fill that out. Seven hundred grand is the sort of thing that just slips your mind. You know, I think. listen, it uh, although that was over the course of several years, it was not like one big paycheck or something like that. But it still stretches. Mm. It, it seems it seems odd. To be fair, she does think the guy who got a small loan of a million is the one who won the election. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that okay. Is true. All right. Well, so. Ginny's in the news and dragging the Supreme Court along with her. Obviously, the Supreme Court term opens uh, today. We're not really in a position to talk much about things since not anything's happened yet. That's what happens on day one, other than obviously this is the first day of an official term for Justice Jackson. But other than that, uh, we don't have anything to do yet. But in the coming episodes, I'm sure we'll be talking about some of the various assaults on the Constitution that are coming this term. Calidus AI cleverly supports you by suggesting relevant law to address your complex issues. Put in simple questions or longer fact patterns, then Calidus asks you to confirm if points are salient before proceeding. Use Calidus to check if you found all the key concepts, cases, and statutes. Calidus turns that into a high-quality, customer-ready document. Handle complexity confidently with Legal's most advanced AI platform. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at CalidusAI.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-A-I.com. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Available wherever podcasts are found.
Okay, so let's switch from uh, really deep judicial stuff and have a, a brief overlay in firm practice and how to how to do your job at a law firm, uh, or in this instance, how not to. This story Ooh. is about a Denton's associate who worked at the firm, uh, appears to have been a first-year associate, no longer works there, and now the disciplinary folks are looking into it. Apparently, this associate was given a document review project of 425 documents that he marked over the course of several months, three months, and of those 425 documents, he marked all of them. However, the firm was able to notice that only 20 of them had actually ever been opened. Yeah. Okay. I spent a lot of time in document review, right? Okay. <laughs> That's a thing I used to do. Uh, that is an appalling rate. 425 documents, you probably should be doing that in a day. Yeah. That's probably a, a nice long day. Again, obviously, it depends on the kind of document, what you're looking for, et cetera, et cetera. But it sure, it sure doesn't take that long. So every document in this in this particular production was a manuscript of Moby Dick. <laughs> no, but uh, no, seriously. But otherwise, there's not really a reason you can't get through 425 documents in a day. You certainly aren't taking 277 hours. But it's also true. Like what gets me is it's ridiculous to assume this person did 425 documents over the course of 277 hours. When you recognize it was only 20, I have a whole bunch of questions. I mean, here's the other thing, too. Uh, I, we don't know from the information that's publicly available at this point what review tool they were using. Correct. But <laughs> a lot of the review tools have uh, features that a supervisor can figure out how much everyone's doing at any given time course of a couple of days. And it's not necessarily like a big brother, let me look over your shoulder thing can be used that way, but not necessarily that right way. But you know, when you're starting a new document set and trying to figure out what is the expected review rate for this custodian's documents, because they might be a different sort of document, we may be unfamiliar with them. So you want to look, oh, we have five different people assigned to this, they're averaging X number of documents per hour. That's what I can use as a metric going forward. So I can estimate how long this review is going to take. Well, so and that's my issue here, right? Because clearly whatever tool they were using, we don't know which one it was, whatever platform they were using did have these tools, they right? Because they were they clearly not able, being used correctly. Right. They were clearly able to identify that only 20 of them had been opened. Mm -hmm. so, so they have access and they just aren't using them. And this brings me back to kind of the grand adoption problem in law. And I also wonder to what extent, especially when it's only 425 documents, I wonder to what extent this is an instance of an in-house, inside counsel, I shouldn't say like in-house, because that's another thing, but inside the firm document review or a situation where it has gone through an outside vendor and these are only the hot documents or something like that mm -hmm. because which obviously takes longer as a review process right yes. because if you uh, i feel like if it's if it's something that's being done indigenous to the firm then there's no reason why there shouldn't have been somebody looking over the shoulder if it's something that happened outside then maybe they aren't looking closely but mm -hmm. this is three months for three months you had somebody out there doing a project and nobody bothered to even take a second to look at it and one of the more interesting allegations of this is denton's takes the stance that no client was harmed by these the this activity which raises for me so you didn't send out bills for three months which 
that maybe, seems perhaps problematic. It's a, perhaps it's a client that gets billed quarterly. I, I, I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. It, it it just seems wild. It, it seems wild in a lot of ways. Uh, a lot of obviously chutzpah on the part of an associate to bill two hundred and seventy seven hours to twenty documents. Uh, how do you even break up the day? I got to be honest. Like I'd accidentally read a document. Like if I were trying, even if I were trying to avoid it, I would, I would find myself accidentally opening it up occasionally. Anyway, technology, it exists. You should utilize it uh, to avoid these sorts of problems. I just know there's some person that works at that firm that remembers a time they got yelled at by a partner for forgetting a parenthesis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like lawyers are so anal. Like there's no way. I once got yelled at at a firm for putting the staple, uh, not a diagonal in the corner of a document. I just made it kind of horizontal and I should have put it diagonal. So it's easier for the paper to fold over according to the partner. And I got spoken to. Oh, that I get. You should have got excommunicated. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, seriously, how did you think that was okay? Mm, I just, I just stapled it and moved on with my life. That's how, Mm -mm. cause I was, I didn't bill any time to the stapling process. I just kind of ate that time. You better hope you didn't. <laughs> okay, so now let's go to the final topic. We're going to go back to the judiciary a little bit, but also to law schools. Uh, Judge James Ho of the Fifth Circuit is now going around and saying that he's going to boycott Yale Law Clerk applications. So if you're an aspiring conservative Federalist Society all-star at Yale don't worry, James Ho's not going to let you clerk for them anymore. I mean, this is a classic nose cutting being cut off for the spite of the face. Yeah. The argument here, of course, is that there's been a number of stories about quote unquote censorship at Yale Law School. Uh, in reality, none of these things have hap- happened. In fact, the administration has more or less bent over backward to penalize people for speaking for protesting and has done almost nothing for people who are, you know, utilizing racial epithets around school or anything like that. But the there is a really eager beaver reporter at a right wing publication who keeps posting stories about how Yale Law School is run by the woke mob. And so people who get their news from you know, fringe outlets like apparently Judge Ho are very steeped in this discussion. And they want in to stand in solidarity with these aspiring clerks. They're going to boycott them. I think that it's fine because now this lets people from, you know, those dreadful schools like Stanford and Harvard have a shot. Like, I, I mean, who are I you guess. really affecting? <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, maybe Wash U might benefit from this, but yeah. Like, I mean, clearly, Yale he's just, law students. Ass, no, ass law is who he's trying to benefit, well, right? Yeah. That's like almost exactly who he's trying to benefit. You, Chicago, and ass law. That's Do it. Yale law students even have legal careers? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. is, is it even I a mean, law school? Like, there, there's like a law. There's like a Yale law isn't even a real thing. Like, this is the this is the most like least skin in the game boycott since I don't know. But look at Bill, it. Bill Gates promising. Right. If, if you're right about it, how this is no skin in the game, this just proves that this is a cynical media play because everyone's talking about it and he probably wasn't going to get any clerks to meow anyway. Well, so here's the thing. He probably was, right? Like this is one of the more significant 
circuit judges in the conservative legal movement. So one would assume he was. What gets me about it is multi-fold, and I agree with you that this is a cynical and dumb play. Uh, The biggest issue, of course, is, you know, back to the directional schools that Chris is talking about. It is ridiculous to assume that the, if you think there's a woke mob at Yale, which is a ridiculous thing to think, then I guarantee it's worse at Harvard and Stanford, right? Uh, so there's not really a place where you're getting out of that if that's indeed a thing that you believe is happening. So you're just picking on one school for no reason. You happen to be picking on a school that I don't believe in the elitism trap that Yale is necessarily better than everyone else, but I am going to say by virtue of its selectivity, there's more likely a star there, mm-hmm. and you're cutting that off for no reason. But that's the thing. There, this isn't a boycott that is aimed at the underlying issue, or else it would be broader than one school. There, It's a boycott that only hurts the judiciary and the aspiring students. What this, this is all about is keeping his name connected to crazy right-wing issues so that when the next president comes along from the right uh he's the he's the guy whose name's in the papers for standing up to the woke mob or whatever buzzword that they're excited about and look and he's getting you know the the other people in this community who just cater to those talking points uh devoid of much actual analysis are backing him uh i saw there was a quote from Professor Josh Blackman, who's usually first on the scene for this sort of stuff, uh, (laughs) saying that, oh, you know, this is great. It really, it's important because it suggests that there's something wrong with the student's judgment if they go to Yale, which, okay, you're you're a smart, if conservative student, and you just got a 179 on your LSAT and Yale's letting you in, you should go to Yale. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not actually a ding on your judgment. If anything, it suggests that you're prudent. It's really ridiculous. Anyway, and it was and Judge Ho's calling for a broader boycott and more judges to join. I assume he knows that's not going to happen and that he's going to be alone, which is all he really cares about. Uh, this way, he's thrown those students under the bus in order to get his his headlines. You know. I'm hoping this goes so absurd that this has to upset U.S. world rankings. Because what is <laughs> well, it? Well, I mean, yeah. Isn't there like a um, like a like a what is it? Ass law. That's the one that had like a had like yeah. multiple like people that clerked for Scalia, mm-hmm. right? Well, and, then, and uh, not really Scalia because it, it's obviously after after, it got yeah. named that after the fact. But yeah, no, I mean the, they've sure. been getting there. Yep. Yeah. So like, if if they're like. Because everybody knows that, like this, and knows that there are tiers to the tier fourteen. Like even within that top, even mm-hmm. within that top four scheme, there are like some schools that skew more. Okay, you want to go into the academy, what have you? Right? It's going to be so niche. It's going to be like, oh, if you want to, if you want to be on the thirteenth circuit at like four p.m. on a Tuesday, you have to go to this school, and it's going to be like Brown or something, something ridiculous. I don't know. They don't have a law school. Yet, <laughs> it's going to get so fucking niche. <laughs> like, oh, you got to go to Princeton Law. Trust me, five years they're going to be top was, twenty. I mean, uh, that was actually Gorsuch gets his way. That was actually a thing uh, when I was. It was. It had just ended when I went to law school, but there had been a stretch in the nineties where NYU was considering 
moving the law school to Princeton. So the Princeton Law School would be NYU in New York, and the rest of the New York University would separate. That was definitely discussed back in the day. Never really happened. NYU continued to function as part of NYU. NYU. Mm -hmm. But that was definitely talked about, was to give Princeton a law school. But The Onion, if you are listening, that is a clear example of how my bullshit happens to correspond (laughs) to facts. Look, I can write for other publishers. (laughs) I can juggle. Fair enough. Yeah, so that was a lot of the week that was, I think. Yeah. With all of that, thanks for coming by and spending some time with us. We are available every day if you read Above the Law. We are also available every day if you're checking social media. At ATL blog is the publication. We're at Joseph Patrice, at Catherine One, that little numeral one at the end there, and at Chris's at Rights for Rent. We are also, uh, we have some other podcast stuff. Uh, Catherine is the host of The Jabot. I'm a panelist on the Legal Tech Week Journalist Roundtable, talking about legal technology, at least most weeks. And with that, oh, and also check out all the other shows on the Wheel Talk Network. And uh, yeah, then, then we're done. Peace. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.